Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your city upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Grace for This City podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we're giving you scriptural motivation and strategies so you can get out there and get some stuff done for your king, King Jesus, that is. And I'm telling you, he, uh, he's the best one to work for. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, if, if you're going to have to choose, work for him. Oh, and the benefit package is out of this world. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Well, uh, we got a great podcast for you today, and uh, let's jump right on into this. So we want to talk about walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh. Now, listen, uh, a theme that I've had for years now is that we are in the end of days, and there is the rise of and the demonstration of the glorious church. The metaphors, the uh, building the bride and the body, they're all coming into a glorified state. And uh, we saw in Joshua where they were to let the Ark of the Covenant go on ahead of them, 2,000 cubits, 2,000 cubits, 2,000 years time frame. It's our time now to go after the way of the head or after the way of glory. We've never been this way before, friends but we are going this way now. And in Joshua, he said, look, God's gonna do wonders among us, but the first thing we need to do is consecrate ourselves. And so on the eve, if you will, of every great demonstration, every great move of God, he's looking for his people to dedicate themselves to the thing he's about to do. And so uh, Holy Spirit is helping us right now in that very endeavor. He's giving us the requirements, if you will, the necessary uh, things that we need to double down on so that we can be right in the middle, the tip of the spear of what he's about to do and has already begun to do in so many ways. And so this is the way we're going. We're going this way now. Uh, let's um, let's get prepared. Let's get in the posture of consecration. Let's do uh, as Holy Spirit is asking us to do so we don't miss out. And so in light of that, there are things that Holy Spirit has said, look, these are our additions um, things like uh, add to your faith. Like we, we, we've been schooled in faith. We've been schooled in the love walk. We've been schooled in forgiveness. Remember Mark 11, 23, 24, and 25, whenever you stand praying, forgive. That's a basic. That's a 101. Uh, faith worketh by love. That's a basic. That's a 101. Um, you know, just living by faith. The righteous uh, or the, the uh, just shall live by faith. Those are basics, and we've been educated and taught on them things now for decades. So we're going on into another phase or another level, and uh, he's saying add to these things. Add to your foundation these things so that we can get on up, and these additions will support the level of glory and demonstration that's coming. And I've been talking about the double portion anointings that Holy Spirit says it's time to walk in an increase in the offices and in the demonstrations and in the gifts of the spirit that they would operate at hundred percent or at their full potential. And, um, things like consecration of the tongue, strict consecration of the tongue. That's an addition. Uh, we've been talking about, uh, not walking according to the flesh. That's what we're going to talk about today, but walking in the spirit only that's a requirement for this time. Uh, things like, uh, wisdom, uh, people haven't prioritized wisdom like we will and like Holy Spirit's asking us to, 
but these are additions. These are things that will support uh, an increase of the glory that's coming upon us. So let's jump into this thought today about walking in the spirit versus walking after the flesh. Galatians chapter five, verse 16 says, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, if you got the King James, New King James, various other modern translations, they typically capitalized S in the word spirit there. And while ultimately uh, that is not a negative thing because um, we're highlighting the Holy Spirit, but I believe that the particular context is not a contrast between Holy Spirit and your flesh. I mean, that's no comparison, right? I, I mean, what kind of contrast is that? What he's actually contrasting is your spirit and your flesh. So he says, look, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh for your flesh lusts against your spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Your flesh fights against your spirit and your spirit fights against your flesh. And uh, it says these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Galatians 5.25, he says, if we live in the spirit, uh, uh, again, that's capital S there, but it should be a lowercase s because it's speaking about your spirit, not the Holy Spirit. But if you live in the spirit, uh, you'll walk in the spirit is what is what that is saying. If you'll tune into and turn towards your spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The opposite is if, if you disregard the wisdom and the insight and the unction of, of your spirit. Well, there's only one other option here. You will go after the dictates of the flesh. Again, if you'll turn towards your spirit and draw from your spirit, you will walk in the spirit. If you engage your spirit and take your cues from your spirit, the results will be the spoils of manifested spiritual realities. Hallelujah. So don't give in to the lust of the flesh. And I think we've been saying this, you know, I've, I've been ministering on this um, at our church now for several weeks, but uh, it is okay now to not invite to the conversation. Like if, if you're about to make a decision and you're going to get counsel, uh, you should counsel of the spirit but you don't have to counsel of the flesh. You don't have to invite the flesh into the conversation to help you make decisions. One reason is because the Bible makes it very clear that the flesh fights against, militates, wars against, is uh, at odds with the spirit. In fact, it's contrary, it's opposing, it's antagonistic. Uh, it is anti-spirit. Your flesh is anti-spirit. It, it, it doesn't have a mind for spiritual things. And it may not be that it's trying to be rude. It's just that it cannot comprehend spiritual things. It has no faculties within, within itself that can comprehend or even obtain to spiritual realities. And so if you ask the flesh, hey, what do you think about this? It's always going to be opposite of what your spirit wants to do. Now, look at uh, Galatians 5.24. Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Listen, if you're supposed to crucify it, why are you inviting it uh, into the conversation and inquiring of it for counsel? It's supposed to be crucified. Now listen, you are a spirit. You are not your body. 
okay? And the body kind of houses these passions and desires that pick up on the low wisdom that's in the earth. James says there's a low, earthly, sensual, even demonic level wisdom that is of the natural. And your flesh uh, can pick up on that easily. In fact, that's all it knows is natural. All things natural, 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 natural. It, it has no understanding of spiritual things. And so he, he says here, you've got to crucify those desires. Why? Because they're going to keep you grounded. They're going to keep you low. And if you keep inquiring of that wisdom, you're not going to get up into the heavenly realms and operate in heavenly understanding and experience heavenly things because if you keep going after the desires of your flesh, it's going to fight against spiritual realities. Hello, somebody. Are, are you with me? So he says, if you're Christ's, then you're going to crucify these things. Don't entertain them. Don't inquire of them. Don't make room for them. Crucify them. Now, I was, I was going to say this. You're born again once. You are a spirit. You, you're born again once. You're not born again, 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 and again. You're born again once. And uh, that part of you is alive unto God now. That part of you is righteous before him. That part of you is pure. That part of you is born of the word, born, born of the spirit. That part of you is now united with Christ. We're one with him is what the Bible says. Now, the soul part of you, James says, has to be renewed even unto its saving or its deliverance. So you renew your mind daily with, with, the, with the word. Um, the spirit's born again. The mind and, or the soul, which has the mind, the will, the emotions, and, uh, and other things, that has to be renewed daily, okay? Or it's being renewed even unto deliverance and salvation. But the flesh has to be crucified. And here it says crucify it daily, uh, Paul said, I die daily. He's not talking about a spirit, man. He's talking about the fleshly part of him has to be put up on the cross daily. Uh, another place, he says he puts it under. Another place says he disciplines it. So we don't invite it to the table. Here's, here's, here's what Holy Spirit is telling us. It's okay now to totally disregard the leading of the flesh. It's not doing any, anything for you. It's never done anything for you except get you into trouble. You don't have to invite the flesh to the conversation anymore. Galatians 6, 8. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he, come on, that's talking about you and me, who sows to, we, we could say his spirit, will of the spirit or of his spirit reap everlasting life. Now, a lot of people think that that's talking about heaven everlasting life. Most people have defined everlasting life as heaven. While it does include heaven, that's not what it's referring to. It's referring to the Zoe life of God that you received from Christ Jesus when you were born again. Remember in John 5, it says that the father who has Zoe or life in himself has granted to the son, Jesus, to have life in himself. And then Jesus said in John 10, he said, I've come that you may have this life and have it in abundance. We found out that the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the gift is what? Life. Now, King James adds, adds eternal life. And again, a lot of people have defined that phrase as heaven, but the gift isn't heaven, friend. The gift is life. Now, listen, you're, you're not going to get to heaven if you don't get that life before you leave this earth. Let, let me say it like this. If you don't receive life now, before you die on the earth, you're not going to go to heaven. Heaven's not the gift. 
Life is the gift. Now, if you have life, you get to go to heaven. But if you don't have life, you're not going to heaven and you're not going to be with, with the Father. You're not going to be before the Father for all eternity, which is a very special place. Hallelujah. You're going to go to hell, friend. So if you don't pass from death to life before you die and leave this earth, you won't be in heaven after you die. Hallelujah. The Bible says one way you'll know that you've passed from death and you have now received the gift of life is because there'll be a love for the brethren you didn't have. There'll be a love flowing out of you. That's one of the, um, that's one of the uh, additional benefits of this life is because now this new life in Christ Jesus has the capacity to receive the love of God in a measure. Remember Romans says when, when we were born again, he poured out his love. He shed his love inside of our hearts. He shared his love and put it in our hearts. Uh, the Bible says that's one way you know you're saved is because there's a love now for fellow believers you didn't have before. That's one way you, you will know you've, you've come out of death and you are truly alive. Hallelujah for that. So again, Galatians 6, 8 isn't talking about reaping heaven. It's talking about um, reaping the benefits of what this new life provides. Again, uh, this verse is saying that if you will prioritize developing your spirit, that's what sowing into your spirit means. If you'll prioritize developing it, growing it, maturing it, your, uh, your inner man, another place it's called the hidden man of the heart, but, uh, which is the real you. And as you sow the word, as you sow towards developing and maturing your spirit man, the real you, then you'll begin to reap spiritual realities that Zoe, or this life, the Greek word is Zoe, that this life awakens, we could say it affords, we could say it reveals, we could say energizes, because Zoe is a life source, etc. If you'll prioritize that, Galatians 6, 8 is saying that you'll reap a harvest of spiritual understanding, you'll reap a harvest of spiritual vision, you'll reap a harvest of spiritual knowings, of spiritual sightings, you'll reap a harvest of spiritual explorations, You'll reap a harvest of spiritual tastings. Remember another place he says, taste and see. If you will develop your spirit, the uh, spiritual realities will increase in your life because they don't come by way of the flesh. They don't come by way of the mind. They come by way of your spirit. Now let's go to Romans 8. Hallelujah, Romans 8. Now the requirement for coming into the fullness, uh, the requirement of coming into glory is that you put away the flesh. The flesh has to be put in its proper place. It cannot be dominant in your life or you're not gonna walk in the glory. If the flesh is dominant in your life, you're not gonna walk in double portion anointings. If the flesh is dominant in your life, you're not gonna walk in an increase of the spirit of seeing and knowing. If the flesh is dominant in your life, you're going to live a low, earthly, sensual, sensual, sensual. Sensual doesn't necessarily mean sexual. It can include that. But sensual is sense-based. It's sense-able. The senses, the natural senses, are able to pick up on and relate to. And if all you're living 
If you're sowing to the flesh, to natural sensibilities, then you're going to live a low life. You're going to live an earthly life when he wants you to live a, a high spiritual life. John in Revelations, he heard, come up here, come up here. That's what Holy Spirit is telling us. Come up here. It's time to come up here now. Get up into this place. What place? Your place in the spirit that has been reserved for you. All right, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, watch this, who live and walk not after the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. Again, we could easily say here, your spirit or our spirit. He's saying there, there's no condemnation for those who walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. Now, very simple uh, deduction here. There is condemnation still if you walk according to the flesh. There's no condemnation if you walk according to the spirit. Now, there are those who are in Christ they're born again, but they're still walking according to the flesh. Condemnation remains for the deeds in the flesh. No condemnation if you walk according to the Spirit. Why? Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life, by the way, that's the Greek word zoe, which is in Christ Jesus. Okay, so this is for the born again, the new, new creation in Christ. The Amplified says that this is the law of our new being or laws that govern this new creature. Notice what it's done. It's freed us from the law of sin and death. Now, before I get too far here, don't forget Galatians 6, 8. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap Corruption. Another translation says destruction. We could easily say, if you sow to the flesh, you will reap condemnation. Why? Because judgment's already is in, uh, judgment is already in the seed. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh corruption, destruction, or condemnation. There's a judgment in that. If you sow to the flesh, you're not going to reap of the spirit. He said you got to sow to the spirit. Why? Judgment is in the seed. If you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap the realities of the Spirit. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap of the flesh the realities of the flesh. You'll, you will reap the judgment that's in association with the seed. So here in Romans 8, he's saying, look, you, if you're born again, you have been freed from the law of sin and death. What's this, what's this passage uh, revealing to us here? Well, there are spiritual laws that, are, that apply to those who are made alive by Zoe, and then there are uh, spiritual laws that apply to those who walk according to the flesh. One is alive unto God. The other potentially is dead, un, dead unto him, okay? And those who are not born again all they know is the flesh because their spirits are not alive unto him. Therefore, the laws that govern the spirits which are alive in him do not apply to those whose spirits are not alive unto him. 
All right? So again, there are spiritual laws that apply to those who are made alive by Zoe. These are, quote, the laws of the spirit, which is alive unto God. He says in Romans, do not walk according to the flesh, because if you do, you are putting yourself under the laws that govern those who are dead and are only controlled by the dictates of the flesh. They don't have anything in them. There is no life. There is no spirit that is alive that can help them overcome the desires of the flesh. They are therefore bound to the flesh and the laws governing it. What are those laws? The laws that govern the flesh are called the laws of sin and death. Now, but you, if you're born again, if you have been made alive by life, by Zoe, you don't have to be dictated to by the flesh, and therefore you are not subject to the laws of the flesh unless you willfully submit yourself to the laws which govern the flesh. How would you do that? Why would you do that? Well, how is you would follow after the dictates of the flesh. If you, if you violate the spirit and you go after the flesh, the Bible says, then you willfully put yourself under the laws that govern that which is born of the flesh. But if you're born again, you've got the spirit on the inside of you. You don't have to follow the dictates of the flesh now. Why? Because there's a spirit that's alive on the inside of you. So you don't have to. You can choose to, but you don't have to because the power of Christ on the inside of you, it sets you free. You're no longer a slave to the flesh, to sin. You've been delivered from it. But because the body of flesh, you're, you, you still have to deal with that. We're, we're going to get to that in a second because Paul talks about that in Romans 7. Uh you have to put it under, but if you don't put it under and you ask it for advice and then you do what the flesh tells you to do, you're, the laws that govern the spirit of life are not going to empower something of the flesh. You understand that? So don't, don't do that. You have another option. People who are dead unto Christ, people who are not born again, they don't have any options. They're under one governing set of laws, the laws of sin and death. And, and unless they get born again, uh, they are not going to be empowered to put aside the dictates of the flesh and follow after the spirit. There is no spirit within them that is empowered to do so. All right, Romans 8, 4. Let's look at this. It says, so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fully met in us, watch this, who live and move not in the ways of the flesh, but in the ways of the spirit. Our lives governed not by the standards and according to the dictates of the flesh, but controlled by Holy Spirit. Now the Amplified says Holy Spirit. Other translations just say spirit. Again, it's referring to, uh, I believe, lowercase s, your spirit. If you don't follow after your flesh, you only got one other option. You are following after your spirit. Now, the Bible says that the spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord. And whenever the Lord speaks to you or ministers to you, your spirit is illuminated. Um, your whole spirit is illuminated. 
that's because you're one with him. And it doesn't do a disservice to refer to your spirit as uh, something that is pure, holy, and righteous unto him. That's what the Bible says. So if you will look to your spirit, which is inward, we're not talking about outward. You want to be aware of those things that are outward, uh, you know, especially thoughts, ideas, or suggestions that don't come from within and then light up on your mind. If something outside of you hits your mind, uh, it could be uh, a thought, idea, or suggestion from the devil or some, some, somebody else or something that's originated in, in the natural realm because your spirit is the lamp of the Lord. Whenever wisdom comes to you, whenever Holy Spirit speaks to you, reveals something to you, your entire spirit will illuminate and your spirit will cause that idea, suggestion, that concept, that revelation, that wisdom, or that knowing, your spirit will cause your mind to be illuminated. Your mind is a derivative, and we're going to get to that in a second. Your spirit should illuminate your mind so that your mind has the privilege to agree with your spirit and then conduct command to get your body to do what your spirit uh, says it should be doing. Romans 8, 5 says, for those who live according to the flesh, watch this, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Again, your mind is a derivative. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally or flesh-minded is death. Why in the world? would you inquire of your flesh if the Bible says to be flesh-minded is death? I don't know, but people do it all, all the time. We could say it like this. When you only do as the flesh prescribes, you bring upon yourself the laws that govern the flesh. It's like you, uh, it's like you exchange, if you will, if, if only temporary even, the laws of the spirit for the laws of the flesh. It goes on to say in verse six, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. To be spiritually minded, you prove or allow the laws that govern the spirit and life to have precedence in accordance to the specifics of the situation in which you have agreed with the spirit of God. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Carnal, carne, flesh. The flesh-dominated mind is an enemy of God. Again, give yourself permission to no longer invite into the conversation for counsel or direction or wisdom or answers or anything. The flesh it fights against your spirit and it's an enemy of God. You don't have to invite it to the conversation anymore. Notice verse seven, the carnal or fleshly mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. It's not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. It can't even become a subject of the laws of God. Now, what's it referring to the laws of God? the laws of the spirit of life in Christ. The flesh 
cannot even be a subject in which the laws of the spirit of life can have precedence over. Why? It's a, it's 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 an enemy. The only laws that uh, come into effect are the laws of sin and death when it regards the flesh. So again, if if you decide to go about a thing according to the flesh, listen closely, friend, you exempt yourself from the laws of the spirit working on your, your behalf because they are not subject to the laws of the spirit, nor can they be. Let me, let me say that one more time. Now, don't, don't forget Galatians 6, 8. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap of the spirit. So if you decide to go about a thing according to the flesh, you exempt yourself from the laws of the spirit working on your behalf because the things according to the flesh, they're not subject to the laws of the spirit, nor can they be. They, they can't be. He can't, he can't exempt the flesh and treat it as if it's spiritual. The Bible says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And there's no crossover there. This is why he said, you must be born again. You've got to be born again. You've got to be born of the spirit or the laws of the spirit of life don't apply to you. So considering all, all of this, let's look again. Galatians 6, 8. For he who sows to his flesh. So we can say it like this. He who determines his course based upon or by consulting the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, or we can say will come under the governing laws of the flesh, the laws of sin and death. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that it will be completely terrible, but it won't be supernatural. This is because the flesh can receive no glory. I didn't have that pulled up, but let me look at this here. And if you got your Bibles or phones, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to show you this because you know, for something to be scriptural, you got to have scriptures. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29, it says, it says this, No flesh should glory in his presence. No flesh should glory in his presence. The reason why the laws of the spirit of life do not govern the deeds in the flesh is because no flesh can receive glory. The laws of the spirit of life deal with glory. It's the restoration of glory. And when you're born again, come on, you are on a restorative path back to glory. The demonstration of glory, clothed in glory. Remember the first Adam? And we found out in Psalm chapter 8 that an angel inquired of the Lord and said, what is this man that you are so mindful of, of, of him that you've crowned him, you've clothed him with glory? Adam and Eve, uh, Adam and Eve didn't even know they were naked because they were clothed with glory. And when they sinned, they lost the glory. This whole process has been the restoration of glory. And we found out that the glory of the latter house shall super uh, shall supersede shall overwhelmingly surpass the glory of the former house jesus is that second adam he is the pattern the prototype we're 
destined, the Bible says, to be conformed into the image of, of the Son. Why? So that glory can be restored. All authority has been given to him. He has been given the preeminence in all things. There is a restoration of glory upon this second Adam that is far greater than that of the first Adam. And, uh, but no flesh can get this glory. This glory is not coming upon a body of flesh. This is another reason why the Bible says that we're going to exchange this body which is bound to a spiritual condition of mortality. We're going to put this tent off and we're going to put on another body uh, likened unto his. It's a glorified body. And that body is connected with a spiritual condition called immortality. And it won't have the lusts of natural things associated with it. This is why the body that you have right now has to be kept under. It has to be put under and figuratively uh, metaphorically, it has to be crucified daily. If you let it come up and live for a day, it's going to do what Galatians says it's going to do. Let's look at that. Go to Galatians. And it says, uh, where, where's it at? Five, what is that? Uh, 519. Now, this is native, if you will to the flesh. It says the works of the flesh are evident. We could say it like this. If you let your flesh live for a day and you don't crucify it, you don't put it under, you don't discipline it, you, you, you don't dominate it. What's it going to do? It's going to do this right here. Some people say, well, you know, how can witchcraft be in the church? Because somebody let their flesh live for a day. These are the works of your flesh, everybody's flesh. This isn't just limited to, you know, one person. If I let my flesh take control, I'll do these things right here. If you let your flesh rule for a day, you'll do these things right here. What are they? The works of the flesh. These are the works of the flesh. This is why the flesh is an in and out. Uh, an enemy of God. It is contrary to your spirit because it does things completely opposite of the direction of life. It's death. It, it gets its inspiration from death, not life. And until you kick this body of mortality off, you've got to keep it under or it's going to produce these things. Listen, I don't care who you are. You know, we're, we hear all the, all the time, these ministers and everybody freaks out and you're like, oh my gosh, how in the world? Because they let their flesh live. They didn't put their flesh under. And their flesh wanted to embezzle money. Their flesh wanted to have an affair. Their flesh wanted to solicit sex from people. Their flesh wanted to steal. Their flesh wanted to uh, be divisive. Their flesh wanted to get drunk. Notice what it says here. Dude, if you let the flesh live for a day, you will be jealous. You will have outbursts of wrath. You'll be selfish. Uh, you'll spread heresies. You'll be envious. You'll even consider and contemplate murder, revelries. This is King James, so they use some old old words here. Fornication. You want to have sex with no boundaries or parameters. You'll uh, adultery. Listen, if you let your flesh live for a day, if you don't crucify that flesh, 
we, we, we've seen high profile ministers commit adultery and, 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 and everyone goes, how in the world? How in the world? Because they didn't crucify their flesh. Listen, you're no different than them. They're no different than you. Anybody who doesn't crucify the flesh, you are a ticking time bomb, as it were. You could do any of these things at the drop of a hat. Right here is witchcraft or sorceries. You wonder why you got witchcraft in your church? Is because people have not crucified the flesh. You know why you got people getting drunk behind the scenes? They haven't crucified the flesh. Now, there is no pass for that because Romans tells us that the deeds of the flesh still suffer condemnation. You know, this, the, this whole, well, I'm under grace. I'm under grace. Our church is Grace City Church. And somebody asked me one time, hey, are you one of those grace churches? And I want to say, oh, wait, are you, are, are you asking me, are, are we one of those churches that gives a pass to, to everybody on the worship team who's getting drunk on Friday night? Uh, and then just patting them on the back and say, oh, it's forgiven. No, we're not one of those because the Bible says if you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you will reap destruction. Now, I'm not saying you'll lose your salvation, but you're going to cut your life short. And it does not please the Father. He didn't send Jesus Christ on the cross to be mutilated so that you could, on Friday night, get up have sex with people you don't need to be having sex with, getting drunk, doing drugs, and, and then on Sunday morning, putting on your little fake Christian mask, thinking everything's okay. No, Jesus died so you could be delivered from the dictates of the flesh. Listen, drunkenness, fornication, sexual uh, immorality is not birth of the spirit and will still suffer condemnation under the law that governs the deeds of the flesh, sin, and death. Again, I'm not saying you'll lose your salvation, but you may lose your life. You may lose your life. Uh, if your spirit is born again and you are engaging the flesh on a regular basis, here's what you are. You are an immature uh, believer. And there's a lot of us, hallelujah, I haven't obtained perfection. But what did Paul say? We're striving towards the prize that has been set before us. What is the prize? It's the realities of the new life, Zoe, that you have now in Christ Jesus. It's all the possibilities, the potential, the demonstration, the purpose behind this life that now has awakened you unto God. That's the prize that we're going after. And to do that, you've got to buffet the flesh. So I'm not saying, let me repeat myself. Hallelujah. Let somebody take it out of context, which is a work of the flesh, by the way. I'm not saying you'll lose your salvation, but you'll come under the laws of sin and death. And if you persist in engaging the deeds of the flesh, if you persist in sowing to the flesh, you're going to reap a harvest which could be a harvest of death. I'm talking about physical death. You'll cut your life short. You'll do something stupid, so stupid, that you'll cut your life short. Now, don't do that because you're married, you have children, you've got a good job, or you have a ministry, or there's a destiny for you. You want to finish your race. Don't be a fool and engage in the flesh at the expense of finishing your race. Just, just don't do it, friend. Don't do that. That's foolish. Now, 
Is it difficult? Sure, because the flesh loves what it loves. Uh, it just and 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 in a way, in, an, in even a perverse way, it may make you feel 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 sense sensual. It's sensual. You may feel good doing it, but that has to die. That passion has to die. It's got to be crucified. And the Holy Spirit will empower you with might in your spirit to where you will put aside the dictates of the flesh and you will not give in to it. Rather, you'll say, here's what the Spirit says do. I'm going to do that. Let me close this podcast with going over Romans 7. And you need to read and reread and reread and read again and then reread it two or three or four or ten more times, Romans 7, because Paul is giving us phenomenal insight into the struggle that you're struggling with right now. But you don't have to struggle anymore. You don't have to struggle. Uh, you don't have to stay in this circular battle that Paul expresses here in Romans 7. Let's go ahead and read this, and then we'll close the podcast with this. He says um, in uh, Romans 7, verse uh, 15, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. Yeah, have you ever been there? I have. I've been right there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 21, I find then a law. Of course you do, Paul. You find a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Verse 22, he's going to bring some clarity. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. He's referring to his born-again spirit. The inward man or the hidden man of the heart is the real Paul. It's the part of Paul that when he cried out, Lord, on the road to Damascus, Jesus and the Holy Spirit caused him to be born again. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible says that he was born of the Spirit. The Bible says we were born of the Word. Jesus says that I will write my laws on the tablet of their heart. What laws? The laws of the Spirit of life in Christ. Those laws are in your DNA. You don't even have to try. Paul said, according to my inward man, I want to do what is right but I see something in my members or in my flesh. He said it's a law that sin, evil desire, passions and lusts, they're present with me in my members. Present with who? Present with my spirit. Yeah, it's in your tent. It's trapped in a spiritual condition called mortality. But he says in verse 23, I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. See, the mind is very catalytic here. 
This is why Romans says you've got to renew your mind, renew your mind, renew your mind, renew your mind, renew your mind. How do you renew your mind? By doing, by doing, by doing. Your spirit gives you, your born again spirit will say, do this. And to renew your mind, you agree with your spirit. To renew your mind, you tell your mind, you're going to agree with the spirit. Now, to agree is to do. Faith without works is dead. So to renew your mind, you get the word, you get the word, you get the word. But but synonymous with that is getting the word and doing the word. James says you can't be a hearer only or you'll deceive yourself. So hearing and not doing leads to deception. So you got to hear and then you got to do. And when you synonymously feed on the word, and then when unction or revelation comes up out of your spirit and lights upon your mind, what you need to do is immediately agree that that is good and then do it. And then you begin to renew your mind. And what happens is you strengthen yourself to where your mind will no longer fight against your spirit, but it'll, 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 it'll actually say, look, uh, this is the direction we're going to go. And we're not going to go in the direction of my flesh. Paul said in verse 24, he said, Oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then look at the next verse. Jesus Christ will. Hallelujah. Who has delivered us from the laws of sin and death? It was the man who went to the cross and died for us and then was born again, raised up in new life. Come on. He set the precedent. And anybody who follows after that same pathway is also delivered. Now, Paul said, though, there's a law at work here. In your body of flesh remains the desire to sin. And this is what he was saying, but you're not bound to it. You can choose to go after the spirit. And if you do, you will not be under the laws that govern the flesh, but you'll be under the laws that govern the spirit. Hallelujah, somebody. Oh, thank you, Father, for it. This is the direction we're, we're going now. And maybe some of this isn't quite as clear or as profound to you, but I'm telling you, give yourself to it. Give, do your due, due diligence and meditate on what I've been sharing with you today because the Lord wants to deliver you from the flesh because he's wanting to put the glory back on us. But no flesh can get the glory. You cannot walk after the deeds of the flesh and expect to have uh, grace or endowment. You can't walk after the deeds of the flesh and expect dunamis to support it. You cannot expect manifestations to support the deeds of the flesh or to confirm it. It won't. Uh, supernatural manifestations, demonstrations, signs and wonders confirm spiritual realities, not those things which are born of the flesh. Remember what he said in Galatians 6. He says, who's bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? Thinking you could start out in the spirit and finish in the flesh. You're not going to do that, friend. It's impossible. The laws do not support it. And uh, so... Uh, we're not going to be in this wrestling match. We're not going to be in the Romans 7. Uh, not forever. You're, you're probably in it now. And in, to, in, in some degree, uh, you're still in it potentially, but we're coming out of it because our minds are being renewed and wisdom from on high, knowledge, the spirit of wisdom and, and uh, 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 what did he say here? Let me get it. I don't want to misquote that. Uh, Ephesians one there it is right there that the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that by this knowledge 
the knowledge of him, him, him who, him, the word, him, Christ, him, Zoe, come on, by uh, God revealing to us how this new life, the possibilities, capabilities, the destiny of the born again spirit, come on, we're rising up to this place of dominance and the things of the flesh, this earthly natural realm is quickly diminishing. Hallelujah. It's becoming less and less an attraction. It's becoming less and less a bondage. It's becoming less and less a hindrance. Our spirits are growing strong and developing and we're recognizing, wow, that's the flesh. That is a bondage. That is an enemy. That is a low thing. And I haven't been called to live according to the flesh. I've been called to live according to the spirit. These things are growing in a strong friend. And we're, we're, we're quickly, 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 we're quickly being drawn up into a glorious demonstration, even as we speak. Hallelujah. So just, just receive your freedom right now. I just release it over you, friend, in the name of Jesus, that, um, that th there is a separation. Hallelujah. Certain things that have entrapped you, that the light now is, is shining on it and exposing it for what it is, and you're being released from it right now in Jesus' name. Never to go back to it. Never to entertain it. Never to invite that part, that working of the flesh, back up into a place where you would receive counsel from it. It has nothing for you, friend. Hallelujah nothing for you. It'll keep you out of the spiritual dimension. It'll keep you out of your spiritual operation. It'll keep you earthbound. And that's, that's the opposite of where we're going. <laughs> Woo. Hallelujah. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today to the podcast. I hope it encouraged you, strengthened you, maybe irritated you a little bit. Hallelujah. Got you thinking somewhat. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come out of the flesh, friend and get on up into your spiritual destiny. Hey, if we can pray with you, uh, even if something about this podcast today, uh, if you would like somebody to just connect with you in prayer, partner with you in prayer, we'd love to do that. Several ways you can reach out to us. Go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv. Uh, click on prayer. You can call us 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Somebody will get right back with you. Uh, it would be our honor to agree with you in prayer. We believe in the prayer of agreement. Hallelujah. And that's another way that you can just make leaps and bounds, get somebody spiritual to agree with you concerning something in your life. Hallelujah. I want to give a shout out also to people who have partnered with us by praying for the podcast. James chapter five says it's making power available. Friends, it is helping. I say, thank you. We covet your prayers and I'm asking you to partner with us in prayer. You would commit to praying for us, our team, myself, my family, the podcast, our ministries here. Pray that God would use us mightily and that this content, this, this material, this ministry would get into the right hands, the people that need to hear it. Hallelujah. Also, if you'd like to financially partner with us, several ways to do that. Of course, you can go to, to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. If you're in the United States, you can text to give 84321. That's 84321. Follow the prompts or you can send a check in the mail, P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, be blessed.